0: That networking piece is very important. You want to make sure that you are going to industry days that are being uh, held by agencies. You want to go to the small business workshops. You want to do uh, any type of webinars that are geared towards uh, outreach events for either your industry or small business. So you want to continually network. You want to talk to people. You want to talk to other government contractors who who are already on this road. Because that connection is so, our world is very small in the sense of understanding who we are and what we do, but making sure that you're visible.
1: Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Liftoff. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's your host, the small biz chat lady herself, Melinda Emerson.
2: Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. I'm Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, America's number one small business expert. And I'm so excited to welcome you to our very first show of 2023. Tonight's Small Biz Chat podcast is gonna be an amazing show. We're gonna be talking about how to get started with federal contracting. Now, if you're looking to grow your business through government contracts, you are certainly in the right place. It's complicated, and my expert's going to break it down bite-sized, so if that's a new market you want to pursue, you're going to know how to get started with that. Now, here on the Small Biz Chat Podcast, we talk about how to start and grow a successful small business from multiple angles. This is advice you otherwise would have to pay for, but we make it available every month because we want to make sure that you have the tools you need to take your business to the next level. Now, the Small Biz Chat Podcast is a peer-to-peer mentoring show, and our mission is to end small business failure. Hopefully, you're watching us on my Small Biz Lady Facebook fan page or on our YouTube channel. And by the way, if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe and share and leave a comment and tell us a topic that you'd like us to discuss. We're happy to do that for you. So with that, let me fully introduce my guest. Today's guest is Laquan McCarley, and she's a government contracting expert who provides consulting services to help small businesses get started doing business with the federal government. Her firm, Verb Consultants Inc., provides business development, compliance, proposal management, and certification services for businesses interested in doing business with the federal government. Through her 20 plus years of experience, she is familiar with the demands small business owners face, and she's often referred to as a bridge to help her clients get through the hurdles of business ownership and government contracting to reach their revenue goals. Laquan, welcome to the Small Business Chat Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
2: All right. So I got to hear your backstory. How did you become the government contract whisperer? Because I got to tell you, I've been in business 23 years. I was an 8 a company and we never once got a government contract. And so it's hard to do business with the federal government. So please enlighten us. How in the world you learned all this stuff? <laughs> well,
0: your story is not any different from a lot of other stories that you know, have gotten to the government and then they just didn't do well. They couldn't get any contracts or even get past the first stage of go. So I eventually, I actually started out wanting to be an attorney. Um, And in becoming in that process, I actually worked for a law firm and fell in love with business because we did business acquisition, like licensing and compliance. and, And I fell in love with it. And so I said, well, If I can help a business understand this process, you know, why not be able to be involved more in the business community? So, of course, my father, who was a dreamer, said, hey, since you know how to put a business together and and start it, I want you to do mine. And then I want to challenge you to learn the federal space because I need to get federal contracting and at first, I was a little bit skeptical because I said, you know, it's very complicated. It's convoluted. There's so many rules and regulations. You know, it's going to take a lot of time for me to understand it. But fortunately, because of my background, I was able to pretty much understand the process. There were still a lot of hurdles, a lot of research, um, a lot of asking questions. The information was not as readily available as it is now. We still have a long way to go. For a lot of our small businesses to be able to access a lot of the information that other companies may be able to have. So I I made it my mission uh, in helping my father to say, hey, I need to understand and learn this. Because if it's complicated for me and I can understand it and, and break it down, I can help other people. And that's what I started to do. I started helping other companies who were either new to the federal marketplace or either was a part of it already, but really still could not get any traction to understand it, break it down, and be able to give them real and actual
2: actions in order to make their goals. I love it. I love it. So let's let's start with how you break it down. I mean, how <laughs> do you become, I mean, how do you become a contractor to the federal government? So the first prerequisite is also is
0: always to just start your business, right? You need to register in the state that you plan on doing business in, right? You need to get your federal identification number from the IRS. You need to have a business bank account. So those prerequisite structures still apply in becoming a government contractor. Now, once you do that, then the key thing to do is to go to www. Dot .naics.com what is that that is the north american industry classification system and that's where you find your codes to what you do so that system will help you in that process to understand it as an industry if you do training you put your keyword in and it will give you all the codes related to training so pick your primary service first and then if there's other services that are in addition to that, select those as well, because when you move over to the next system to register as a federal contractor, you will need those codes as a part of that process, along with all of your other prerequisites, right? So you're now moving to the system called Samsam.gov. Right to register your business, it's gonna ask you a lot of questions. It's gonna ask you to pull out documentation that you probably haven't pulled out in a while. And it's also gonna challenge you to understand some of the compliance issues that they're gonna ask you to be responsible for. And then in that process, once you finish your registration, that system is gonna to talk to everything behind it, to make sure your, your your uh company is still in good standing, to make sure that you do have a federal ID number. Uh, and to make sure that you're matching within your governmental system, and then you'll get your approval letter and then, in that pr- approval letter, it will give you the next steps that you need to take as a new government
2: contractor. All right, well, let's keep going down the wrong line, okay, so now i'm I'm registered, I'm registered in Sam, I got my letter. How do I find contracts? like how <laughs> do I find opportunities? I mean, does the government have a one ads? You know, like how do I find what the government buys and who I should be trying to talk to to sell my services? Perfect. So uh, for new government contractors,
0: I'll point you to SAM.gov. You're going back to the same platform that you registered in. As they have open and active solicitation opportunities listed there, you can search through your NAICS code, which you've already obtained before applying to become a federal contractor, or you can search through keywords. So this will give you some opportunities that are out there for you that may match what you do. So be careful in reading what the requirements are, understand those key dates that you need to be aware of in order to meet the deadline in order to apply, right? And and present your proposal. And there's a second one that I wanna give all of your listeners. It's one called SBA, Small Business Administration Subnet, S-U-B-N-E-T right? Google SBA subnet, click on the actual link to that website, and it is a subcontracting opportunity portal that is used by the SBA because of those large contracts that come in, and they have a requirement to meet for subcontracting goals, right? So as a new contractor, you may be able to meet some of those subcontracting opportunities with larger companies so you can build your reputation and past performance within the government.
2: Whew, okay. That's a lot of stuff, Laquan. Now, listen, doesn't somebody need to know me before I start working on responding to an RFP? So networking is important,
0: right? So it's gonna go hand in hand in parallel. So when you become a new contractor, of course, you're you're new to the game. You know, your business may be very young. You can be two if you're two years or younger. People may not know what you do and who you do it for, what type of uh, reputation that you have. So, of course, the work is much harder, right, because you have to make sure that you have more visibility. Um, If you're two years or more, you may have done some work uh, with some other companies outside of the government or maybe done something small with the state, And then that way you have built a little bit of past performance. But that networking piece is very important. You want to make sure that you are going to industry days that are being held by agencies. You want to go to the small business workshops. You want to do uh, any type of webinars that are geared towards uh, outreach events for either your industry or small business. So you want to continually network you want to talk to people, you want to talk to other government contractors who are are already on this road, because that connection is so our world is very small in the sense of understanding who we are and what we do, but making sure that you're visible.
2: So when it comes to targeting agencies, Mm -hmm. how do you like, what is a simple strategy for how to figure out you know, whether or not your services are a fit to a particular agency.
0: So it's research, and, and it can get complicated with the research. But the government does have uh, another resource, which is usaspending.gov, which gives everything about an agency, how they spend, how much they spend, their divisions. Um, and it takes a little bit of mining on your part as a government contractor to begin looking at that website to understand what agency bets fits you, right? So you can also do a Google search as to what agency provides a certain service or procures a a certain service to kind of narrow that down as a new beginner. Uh, So then that way you can start doing more research on the agency itself. You can actually reach out to their small business office to see um, what areas or, or what people you need to talk to in regards to what you provide and if that agency really is a fit for you. So it takes a lot of research. I won't lie. You know, it's, this is, it's not an easy jump. But once you start doing more of the research, talking to more people, networking, um, you'll find that you'll find certain certain areas of the government that you truly fit in.
2: Now, should I start out as a brand new federal contractor, like going after five agencies? Or does it make more sense to focus on maybe like one or two? So I tell people between two to three
0: is is generally manageable, right? So if you are in an an industry for IT, cybersecurity, a help desk, you definitely want to know who's spending the most money, right, for for what you're doing with less competition. Um, You don't want to get in a pool of people that are, there are thousands and thousands of contractors, because as a new contractor, it's hard to be seen in that pool. You want to go to an agency that has a smaller pool of people But you may have more of a niche, like you may have an edge or an industry um, jump ahead from someone else. So you want to make sure that you're different in what you're providing to the government, that you actually show that difference and that it can be showcased uh, with that agency. So between two to three to begin with, uh, just to kind of make sure that you're doing your due diligence and research and understanding what is being
2: required of you as a contractor. Now, When it comes to all this research and, and, and business development, there are lots of agencies out here or, or companies, if you will, that will help you with this, or that offer to help you get certified and stuff like that. What kinds of things do you need to be thinking about if you think you want to hire or sort of like outsource your government, um, business development services?
0: So that's a very good question, and and one of the things I would tell people is to make sure that you look at um, the company in itself and and if they have relationships, right? How do they go about going about opportunities? Are they just looking at opportunities once they come out on the street, or are they actually chasing after what's called requests for information, forecast opportunities, um, talking to government officials, asking them what are they in search for? So it's all about making sure you understand that company's strategy and how it aligns with your goals, right? So if you're looking to scale your company to a certain dollar volume, then that company should be able to to, uh, coach you and counsel you into the steps that need to happen, right? So even in the certification process, if you qualify for certifications in the industry and areas that agencies want to see, you want that company to be able to advise you on that. So if there's an agency that loves 8A companies or that loves HUBZone companies, or they're struggling to do uh, women-owned small business um, interest uh, uh, procurements, then your company that you're dealing with will have a little bit of insight for that because we've been reading the strategy plans. We kind of understand what the government is looking for, some of their pain points, if they're meeting their goals. Right. Each agency has a goal percentage that they must meet in the business industry, whether it's certification, whether it's small business, whether it's large business, but they have percentage goals. So we want to hold them accountable. So get a company that holds them accountable for you to be seen and used in their, in their procurement cycle.
2: Great. Well, listen, I have really been enjoying learning about all things federal contracting. Laquan, let's jump into it. Um, what is the best time to look for a government contract? So
0: this is a two-part question. So the first part is, there's always active solicitations within the system. Matter of fact, there's over two million. That's usually in the government procurement system at any time and at any stage. The second part is is industry specific. So if you have a certain niche area. The government works just like a business cycle works. There are some seasons where you are going to do very well and other seasons where there's some downtime, right? So, for instance, if you're in the mental health space and then you service the agency services schools, we're going to talk about that, or other institutions that services children, they may be looking to procure prior to the school start year. So you want to make sure that you're looking for opportunities within the government first and second quarter, because that's when they'll be really looking for those services. If you're in an industry, for an example, like construction, IT, janitorial, things that are recurring and needed all the time, you're going to find opportunities that are being rolled out all the time. It's a matter of whether your capability and your business type meets or match that particular
2: opportunity. So can you explain to us what are the sort of like four different types of federal contracts?
0: Absolutely. So we have what's called a fixed price, cost estimation, time and material, And infinite delivery, infinite quantity, which is known as IDIQs, right? So to go back to the fixed price, it it is self-explanatory in its its, uh, title, is that whatever you tell the government that you can provide that service for, so if it's $100, if it's going to cost the government $100 a month for your product or service and you are awarded that contract, you cannot bill, more than a hundred dollars a month for that service or product okay unless you have some level of an escalation cause clause within your contract that gives you room for uh, particular situations you are locked in to the fixed price in which you have bidded on that contract for cost reimbursable so this is a little bit flexible this is the government saying hey we know that it cost us a hundred dollars But every now and then under this particular contract, we have this issue that we may need to do a little bit of an expansion. Right. So if that service is requested, what they'll do is they'll put a cost reimbursable piece uh, within your pricing structure to say you are not to exceed this amount of money It could be $5,000, it can be $100,000. But generally, that budget is set by the government that's included within your bidding price. So when your contract is awarded and you're going through the process of providing your product or service, and the situation comes up that there is a, a, a not a, necessarily a separate um, issue, but it's, it has to be related to what you're doing. Like we're having an event and we need more material, right? You're still providing the day-to-day service, but this event is going to cost us an additional um, amount for the additional materials necessary, then you would have to get pre-approved by your contracting officer in order to have that uh, cost reimbursement uh, done. Because when you go to invoicing, guess what? Once you give that invoice over and it says, here's my fixed price and I've spent 200 more dollars in cost reimbursable. If they don't see a written approval from your CO officer, your invoice is rejected. So that's one of the major keys in knowing about cost reimbursables. Pre-approval is important and writing is important. So that way your invoice will always get paid. The other thing is time and materials. So time and materials is pretty much just hours, your labor hours versus the quantity of materials being used. You're telling the government, I'm going to, you know, the government lets you only need 30 hours for this contract of labor service, along with however quantity of materials at the set price that you've already provided to us. So you have to stay within that framework. So that's time and materials. And it can have a combination of some other uh, portions of that contract. So make sure that you're reading the contract very closely to make sure that your invoicing is in line with the service and products that you provide. So with the IDIQs and infinite delivery and infinite quantities, so this contract type uh, is is for the government who does not understand or have not really um, narrowed down how much or how long, right? So there may be a service that's required, but they really don't have anything behind it to say, "I only need this amount for this for this long." So, they'll create this contract where they will have contractors to pre-bid, like, I mean, excuse me, not pre-bid, pre-vet under this particular contract vehicle, right, for the particular service. Once they are selected as pre-vetted contractors under this IDIQ, now you're waiting for a task order. That task order is the request for the actual service. So for example, if I'm in the janitorial world and I need um, this particular building cleaned uh, only for um, an event or for some type of special conference, it's only gonna be for a certain period of time, that is what's put in that task order. And then with that task order, the contracting officer has the ability to say, I'm gonna give it to one, particular contractor, or I can actually make them compete, but only within the actual IDIQ framework that you have to already be pre-vetted. You can't go outside of that IDIQ and, and task it out. Once they award it to whoever is within that group, then that task order is signed off by both the vendor and the government agency, right? To lock you guys in and to generate a purchase order because you want to make sure that the money is allocated to that specific task order. Now, with IDIQs, there are people who have been on and got no work, right? And then there are people who have gotten a lot of work, but it all depends on the demand. And if the government doesn't understand or know the demand or have history with the demand, this is a vehicle that they will use in order to build that level of history as to whether or not it's viable for it to go to a different type of solicitation process.
2: All right. So you've just made my whole head hurt. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) It's all right. People need to know this information. So now what kind of compliance comes along with government contracting? Because they don't just give you a contract. They're like, they kind of give you kind of scary contracts, right? So tell me about some of the compliance things that go along in as concise of a way as you can tell me um, (laughs) what kinds of compliance issues there are. All right. So again, complicated, right? The government
0: is not uh, a simple 10-step process. So, in the compliance world, uh, your contract with the government is extremely important for you to read and know and sometimes have an attorney involved, right? They give you a a large snapshot of what it's going to look like through the solicitation process. Once you get awarded, then they actually solidify all of that information, give it over to you for review to make sure you understand what your responsibility is, and most times your reporting requirements. So some of those requirements could be equal employment opportunity, affirmative action. Um, It could be biodegradable reports. It could be um, anything that involves certified payroll, if, if that's the type of contract that you're under, that they have to verify that you're paying your employees under the particular act that that uh, contract has deemed to be important for that particular contract. So make sure that you're reading, reading, <laughs> ask a lot of questions if you don't understand. If you see anything in that contract that wasn't a part of your process and the solicitation, then you definitely wanna make sure that you ask those questions because you don't wanna sign up for something that never got bid on, right? Because that happens too. And it could be an error on the government's part in preparing the contract. But make sure that you have someone that's involved with you that can actually help you through that process. So you know what you're signing up for because you are responsible for the fulfillment of that
2: contract. All right. Well, you have given us so, so much information. Last question. What is the best business advice anyone has ever given you? Don't
0: take no for an answer. (laughs) No, is it no should be your propelling force to your yes. Um, always look for people who have the ability to say yes. So when you come to these hurdles within the government and within your business, right, this is all a part of, of, of being in business, that you, you chase the yes and understand, right? So don't take no for an answer. You know, keep doing your research. Learn as much as you can. Reach out to people who can help you, people like my company and myself, you now, people who want to see you win, right, and want to see you grow to the place where you want to go.
2: All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Laquan McCarley um, for Verve Consultants Inc. She is the lady in the know when it comes to federal contracting. Laquan, thank you so much. So, I want to thank my guests for being here today. We have had an amazing show. If you're interested in government contracting, check out Laquan's website, Verve consultantsinc.com and thank you all for joining me for this episode of the small biz chat podcast if you are ready to start your dream business in 2023 i have a solution for you my course become your own boss in 12 months starts up a brand new cohort with live instruction starting january 31st so if you are interested in signing up I'm going to tell you this course isn't just a business plan course. This course is actually going to teach you how to get your business together and land customers on day one of your business. So if you want to know more information, head over to https forward slash 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 tinyurl.com forward slash forward slash BYOB Drexel. Again, that URL is tinyurl.com forward slash BYOB Drexel. We're offering the course in partnership with Drexel University. So you actually can get CEU credits for taking our course as well. The mission of the small business podcast is to end small business failure. I'm Melinda Emerson, small business lady, America's number one small business expert. And I will leave you with this last thought. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody.
1: Thanks for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday for more fantastic information and interviews. You can find more sources and small business success strategies by visiting Melinda's website, SucceedAsYourOwnBoss.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.